One of the best things about Tip That Scale is Ron, AJ, and I are simply having conversations. We're sharing our experiences and our thoughts about the world of work and especially how layoffs are affecting it. In episode 12, we talked about ageism. This bonus episode is our conversation before we got into that specific topic. We were discussing how work is changing and how young people are influencing those changes. Bonus episodes add a little bit more value to the podcast and for you, our audience, and we want to bring you more of this content when it's available. Enjoy our first bonus episode. There, there is a huge trend right now, especially in the younger workforce, who don't want to work the 40 hours. They want to take full part-time jobs. One of the industries that's thriving right now and really growing is the entertainment and services side of that. These people or people working in this industry or moving to this industry because there's where a lot of unfilled jobs are, want to do two or three of those part-time. I mean, those people on that, that interview last night were talking about the stress of a 40-hour work week. So that dynamic is going to change the way companies are able to hire back when they want to. So I think everybody's going to be in for a surprise. People are cutting back on what they feel like they have to have. This teaches people to live with less. It teaches yeah. you, hey, I really don't need that. So we come back out of this. I think a lot of companies and people are in for a big change. And we've been overdue for that, that change in the first place. I was saying that even during the height of the pandemic. So yeah, it is making some personal adjustments because guess what? A lot of people didn't do it in 2020. They were still living a high life, but now we have to go back and do a reassessment. Does this make sense for my life and where I want to go? And better yet, what makes me happy? I, I think people are looking at that differently. I mean, they've seen they don't need and they're less stressed. They are happier. I think people are way more in tune with their state of mind, their physical being, and that's not going to align with the go forward of what companies need them to do to come back into the workforce full-time plus. And I think that's going to hit a lot of people who are in that workforce still now. They're doing full-time plus, right? Making up for those that have been taken out. And those guys are going to be looking for ways out. They're overworked. They're overstimulated, they're depressed. There's so many challenges coming with this. It's going to change the way the workforce lives in the future. People are now are saying, you know what? I hated it. I'm tired of it. I don't want to do it. Yeah, I mean, they've been talking about the gig economy for the past, what, three or four years now, and even longer. Yeah, and, and people who hadn't experienced that or been in that market are learning to and having being forced to. And they realize, you know what? Not so bad. Maybe I like this better. Yeah. Because you own your day. You own your day. You own your exactly. time. You can make a choice, which goes back, going back to the great resignation, great awakening. That's a lot of what was happening then. And then now to understanding how people feel about remote work. They don't not mind hybrid, but damn it, a lot of them do not want to go back into the office. And it comes down to a personal decision. Like, what is it that I want for my life moving forward? And thinking about the boomers, those 
who were born, born 1946 to 1964. And even those before, they were taught it's all about work, work, work. And you didn't have a choice. That's the thing. That was a thing. And as we've gotten through these additional generations from X, Generation X, we were seeing the boomers, but also we were in the place of also seeing millennials and changing it. And we're like, well, yeah, there's some things that we don't want to do. And at this point, it is a choice. And plus, you, we aren't looking at life the same. Everybody's not mm-hmm. looking to own a home. Granted, that's part of a, a bigger conversation because a lot of younger people are like, I can't afford a house. Then they're like, well, if that's the case, then I'm going to do something different. Because that's not the North Star anymore for a lot of people. At one time, that was the deal. Buy a house. Period. Mm-hmm. I mean, going on site. family. That's the other thing. People are like, ah, they aren't getting married the same. They aren't having kids the same. So that that belief, the picket fence belief, is no longer something that people are buying into. What are you going to say, AJ? Let's just ask the question. How much work are you actually getting done when you're on site? In some instances, when you're fighting against rush hour traffic, let's just say an hour to get to work, an hour to get home, that's two hours wasted out of your day. On top of that, when you get to the office, there is a collaboration effect that happens. I 100% agree. But how much time are you actually spending working? No offense to any of the organizations out there that want everybody to bring their employees back or the team members back for quote-unquote cultural purposes. Great. But how work are your teams actually getting done? There's far more time where you're running around, you know, taking smoke breaks, talking at the water cooler, coffee breaks. To me, it was almost a distraction for me to like not being able to get things I needed to get done, done to have a productive day. And you would almost ask yourself over and over again, like, what exactly did I do today? Did I just spend like the last two hours of my day talking to, you know, Jimmy Joe or whoever out there or did I actually do something? My day in the office was a mixture of both. I was highly productive. I was highly productive and highly engaging and just talking to everybody. I was that person who knew people from other departments, other floors, that other people who had been there for a long time. They're like, how do you know that person? Because I was just talking to them on the elevator. And then I start, I like them and we're going for coffee. And when we're talking about productivity, it really is... To some people, they feel like that's part of their day. That's what makes coming into the office and working in the office the reason to be in the office. What I do have a problem with is any company that says coming back to the office is we're able to build our culture. I guarantee you, if you can't build a culture with remote, that lets me know that all you're thinking is culture is related to possibly a coffee day or some fruit, that's not culture. If you don't have leaders in place that understand what culture is and work toward it, then that's a bigger issue. It's not about being in the office that makes the difference with culture. I can say this. I feel like I'm good at collaborating on myself and collaborating with people remotely, but sometimes it's different. Collaboration can happen when there's a focused attention to making collaboration possible, whether in person or externally. It's what you do with it. I love the idea of hybrid. 
let me come in when I want to. So I'm not fighting against an hour worth of rush hour traffic and an hour back. Those types of things. Mm-hmm. Cool. I'll come in. By the time you get done with traffic and that heavy rush hour stuff in the morning, you're already pissed off. <laughs> How much collaboration are you actually doing? Then you need your coffee. Then you need to be not left like bothered for like the first hour of your day so you can catch up on stuff. But I, I get it. I really don't, I don't know what trends we're following right now. I think it's just a mixture of a little bit of everything. And it's very confusing. Try to navigate through all of this. I, I think that's part of the plan. And not, not made by anyone in particular, but it's almost mm-hmm. like a collective plan of everybody coming together saying, this is what I want. This is what's good for my life. Oh, okay. This is what's good. It feels like it's more of a collective collaboration on different opportunities that are changing work. My hope is that the next trend will be four-day work weeks. <laughs> we don't need to work five days a week. That's crazy. In a corporate, I would say definitely in a corporate environment. We don't need that. Nice, wouldn't it? Well, this country tends to think that we are leaders in a lot of things, but where it comes to individual well-being, we are far behind other countries. But I think these, these newer generations will bring that. I mean, they are way more in tune with that way more conscious, way more willing to speak out about it. So I, I, I think it's coming. Definitely. It's just always been taboo to even speak of, you know, in the past. Well, I mean, it was taboo to speak about it in the past because, you know, people, I mean, they didn't want a collective mind talking against what anybody was trying to do. The new generations that are coming up, they do have a voice. They're speaking out. There, there is going to be drastic changes. But, you know, Nicole, you even said that, you know, in the U.S., here in the U.S., we like to think that we're the, the leaders, but in what sense? In a way of individuality and making a choice for the well-being, individual well-being of a person. So that's where I believe mm-hmm. that we have been behind, been constantly behind the eight ball. Yeah. You know, I mean, there's a lot of, oh, go ahead. No, a lot of countries have recently embraced four-day work week and they've been doing remote and just the quality of life. And we see that the quality of life in so many other countries is very different because work is not the end-all be-all. It's not the high point. You don't live to work. You work to live. Where here, it's Mm -hmm. always been you live to work. And that's beginning, that's definitely changing. It's been changing for a while, but, and we can see that just in how different industries have become more prominent and, and different opportunities. But yeah, it's about individual well-being more so than anything. And I will say that while we talk about individual well-being, what we've as a country and from a corporate standpoint have tried to balance that is in giving more benefits. But if you have the employee assistance program, we'll give you more employee assistance program or we'll partner with more health related, you know, health challenges and giving you more like a free Fitbit and all of that. But if you're working so much that you don't even have time, all you're doing is, is the Fitbit counting my keystrokes because I'm still at my desk typing on my computer on the keyboard. I mean, there are still some companies that are only giving two weeks 
a vacation. Like, say what now? How can you say we value our employees' well-being when you aren't necessarily offering anything that really lines with what they feel about their well-being? Are you asking the question, what's important to you from a well-being standpoint? It can mean more mental health days. It can mean leaving and getting offline earlier. So there's so much more to it. I agree. That's the only thing I can say. I 100% agree. Both of you are right. People are starting to ask the question more now, like, what do I need to survive versus what can I do for the organization? Because seeing that companies just don't care about them, which is true in some regards. Like, there are organizations that absolutely do care about their people and they try to take steps to better their culture and better the workflow and things like that. But somewhere along the lines, people forgot that when someone is happy, they're far more productive versus when they're disgruntled, they feel overburdened, they feel burnt out. How much work are you actually going to get out of that person? Yeah. When people well, are being honest, one. you don't yeah. know. When people are saying, oh, I'm happy. I love this place. It's the most amazing thing when it's really not just because people are, they want to keep their job. I mean, companies don't have a good barometer. And can I say well, in reference? Can I say in reference to that statement? And I'm gonna say this: when a company provides you an employee engagement survey, people, everybody, please listen. Listen to this. Typically, when a company provides an employee engagement survey and they say that it is from a third party and they can't see who's responding, they can't see who's responding. So please. Please, please, please be honest on that if you want to see change. Granted, some companies only are checking off the boxes, but for the companies that are really doing something and they take that engagement survey and they put action behind it, and you know if you're at that type of company, be honest on that engagement survey. It makes a difference. Because if you say everything is fine, guess what? You're going to be dealing with the same bunch of BS that you did the year before and the year before that. And the only way someone would know if typically the only way a manager would know that it's you is if you say something in your comments and people are like, oh yeah, that's Jim Bob. <laughs> he said that he said that yesterday. He said that last week. So you can think about how you share your comments, but please be honest in those surveys. If it sucks, let them know it sucks because telling them something else inflate the ego of a lot of executive leaders and managers when they are not, especially if they aren't doing 360 reviews you're not getting you're not positioning yourself to make any type of change anyway anyhow. Thank you. Thank you for coming agree, to my agree, TED agree. Talk. <laughs> agree.